I didn't want to tell a story that wasn't important for me to tell. Like, I think that authenticity when it comes to storytelling is so incredibly important. And I want someone else to tell their story and I'm going to tell my stories. What's up, guys? Welcome to the About Story podcast. I am super excited today to have the wonderful, the talented, the amazing Deborah Lee Smith. She is an actress, a producer, director, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank so much you. for being here. Thank you so much, Nathan. I am a huge fan of yours Thank as you. a person and as a filmmaker yourself, so I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> well, let's jump right in. Let's talk a little bit about kind of like what uh, got you interested in like in storytelling and how, what was that journey like for you? Yeah. I mean, I actually went to a, um, really incredible elementary school that I think really got me interested in storytelling. I remember doing presentations where I had to like dress up as characters in order and then like put, put on presentations. So I remember specifically dressing up like the Statue of Liberty and then having to talk about the woman who wrote the poem um, that's like on the Statue of Liberty and like talk about Ellis Island and World War II and all of that kind of stuff. And it was definitely like the beginning in me understanding how much I love interacting with the audience and like interacting with people that were watching and very... Um, I'm very grateful in the fact that like all of my stage fright kind of went away like as a 10 year old. So I really like I got into acting and auditioning and um, theater in uh, junior high and then in high school and then in college and stuff like that. But I I honestly like remember that Ellis Island costume. It's probably also because I still have a picture of it. Nice. And I remember like <laughs> standing in the bathroom with like my mom's taking a picture of me and I was like so excited because my costume was so great. So just like very much that's like the, I think the beginning of my storytelling journey. Fantastic, that's yeah. awesome. So you, did you go to school for it? Like what was, uh, what was kind of like the next step for you? I mean, even though that was what kind of started it, I actually did not get into theater until junior high when I was on the, the debate team okay. and um, the theater teacher there saw me on the debate team and she was like, hey, when I was in eighth grade and she was like, hey, you might want to come and audition for the play. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure. And um, I did that and was like, was just it like love at first sight? It was love at first sight, honestly, mostly because of the costumes. Mm. I'm like, was huge into period pieces and uh, I love English literature and just living in like the 1900s and mm. this play was set in like the turn of the century and I was like I get to wear this incredible like velvet dress around for like a week like heck yes I'm gonna do this and um and yeah so then I did you know junior high and then theater in high school and then I went to Berkeley um for English lit and theater and I think for me I really wanted to study English lit because I wanted to uh, have a more practical major, mm. even though that's hilarious because English lit is also Point. not practical at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed just like taking some text and then deconstructing it and like figuring out 
what the perspective is, what the context is as far as like when it was written and what was going on in the world based, like even if it's not um, historical fiction, there's just like so much about what is going on in the writer's life that bleeds into the story. And I think that that was so, uh, so much something that I just really, really enjoyed learning about um, at Berkeley. And that certainly has permeated into my life as a storyteller since then. It just really showed me in, in a very specific way how much of a craft it is. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't, like I did do theater classes there, um, but it was really more about storytelling in general instead of just like, be a squirrel, be a tree, yeah, <laughs> be a peach. <laughs> yeah, it's very sort of inclusive mm-hmm. in like looking at storytelling from different aspects and different perspectives mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah and like for i know like for me personally like storytelling is it's like learning about who we are as people mm-hmm. and so like i always tell people it's like yeah that's what storytelling really is it's like what, is, what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be alive mm-hmm. uh that's like the purpose of storytelling yeah is to learn about yourself yeah and yeah. to and to learn about you know the world mm from the perspective of the writer like there's so much um I think I'm a huge comic book fan Mm, and I and I I love how much like um you know comic book writers would take what was going on in the world and they couldn't necessarily write about it in any kind of essay like or anything like that and so they put all of their political feelings about what was going on in the world into comics and I think that that's like such an incredible way that um, just public commentary has continued. And I mean, of course, that's certainly the way that it is with scripts as well. I just think that sometimes comics were less censored because they weren't mm. considered as culturally mainstream, which of course is hilarious now, <laughs> considering <laughs> the current landscape. Everyone's like, comics all the time, which is pretty awesome. Do you have like any favorite comic book movies? I'm... I mean, I rem- I still can picture uh, going to see the first Spider-Man, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, yeah. for the first time. And of course, that was you know at the start of Marvel being what it is. And I can still, I just get like chills. Yes, yes. The watching, music kicks in. Yes. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Yeah. And so I definitely think that you know, like uh the last spider-man that just like broke amc and you know was like so i mean it was so amazing and it was so great to see toby mcguire back and i love all of the iterations of spider spider-man but um but i still just remember like how incredible that first yeah experience was. yeah i remember that too and then just being and even just the scenes of him like webbing through the city mm-hmm. like and just feeling like i'm in there with him flying through the city like that was that feeling has never left me. Yeah. Um, and he's still re- actually is one of my favorite superheroes, too. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is, like, I think one of the things that makes him such an interesting character, too, mm-hmm. um, is he's always, like, kind of put in a situation where he has to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially, like, I think Spider-Man 2, they really did a really good job of kind of sh- showcasing that. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, him choosing to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And the whole thing was about him embracing who he was. Mm-hmm. Like, he is Spider-Man. Right. But he didn't want to do it because mm-hmm. it was hard. It was yep. difficult. He had yep. to sacrifice in order to... Like, it's cool to be Spider-Man. But then, like, at the end of the day, people are trying to kill him all the time. Right. He's, like, his best friends are, are getting hurt because he's Spider-Man. Because his enemies are trying to attack him and they can't hit him. So they're hitting his best friends and his family and the people he loves the most. Mm-hmm. 
but then it's like okay what if i push all that aside mm-hmm. and what if i just like not be spider-man yeah and then life is easy mm-hmm. life is fine mm-hmm. but then it's not yeah because he's not living the life that he should be living right um so for me i think that's like one of the cool things yeah about the spider-man franchise that I yeah i mean about. i think any any story in general that is an origin story mm-hmm. and that like has such a strong arc is just so i'm not gonna say better but i'm kind of gonna say better because you, it, it. you know it's better <laughs> it just is because it's just like because it also i think it's so impactful as an audience member to be able to like watch that journey happen yeah. and when a character is already like gone through that transformation and then now is just like beating up bad guys even if it's like oh their heart's broken or whatever i'm like okay it just sticks with you longer when you have those huge arcs and yeah. and you can connect with the characters on a deeper level yeah i would definitely agree with that i think being relatable mm-hmm. so like that's the thing that makes a character stand out yeah. and makes them really um i think really strong i think you could have like iconic characters sometimes mm-hmm. um but they might but they're not relatable it's not yeah. like they're you know maybe like a darth vader or something mm-hmm. where it's like it's a very iconic character it's a great character right. But he's not like relatable in the mm-hmm. same sense of like Spider-Man, which yeah. like I I feel what he's going through. Yeah. Um, which you know is there's something really special about that, and yeah. I think when you can incorporate, um, I was talking to Davy mm-hmm. earlier, and we, we talked about like how the difference between like blockbuster films mm-hmm. and then like more art house films. Yep. And how oftentimes the blockbusters are kind of overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, but I think if you have a strong character that supersedes blockbuster art house like whatever it is like we relate to the character Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like what the package is around it yeah i think you know one of my favorite favorite projects i've ever done as an actor and a producer was this um star wars fan film that i did and in that one i played a female sith and like her journey in that film um is 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 the journey where like and I didn't know this before I played this character I had to be like schooled on like Star Wars lore which now I love but at the time I did not know but um you know Siths in order to become an actual in order to like make that turn into becoming a Sith they have to uh kill someone who is close to them or like have an emotional attachment to someone and like doing that that final deed is what makes them the like evil Sith lords that we know th- they are and um, and and we're seeing this character who is trying, who's deciding to make that choice, and that's what we're seeing on screen mm-hmm. is like her deciding whether or not she's going to make this final choice that's going to lead her completely into darkness. And that was one of my favorites because it has had such a huge reach because it was Star Wars, and so so many people were able to like relate to the character. Yeah. And, and I've played similar characters in non-Star Wars films <laughs> and, and people do not, they either don't see it or they just haven't, um, they just didn't relate to it as much or, you know, whatever. And I just think that like, it really is like so incredible that, um, like I, I'm such a fan of anything that is universal. Mm. Um, like I produce a lot of indie films and I love indie films and I will continue to always, you know, be a part of that that kind of storytelling, but being able to tell a story that might be a little bit controversial but is still 
uh, universal so that everyone wants to watch it, for me, that's the best. Like, yeah. I just think that's just the cat's pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit kind of about like your process. Mm-hmm. So I know you, you've come at things from like different perspectives. You're like producing background and actress mm-hmm. and writer. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're thinking about a story, do you have like a certain hat that you put on at a certain time or like what, what when you're figuring stuff out in your mind, yeah. like how, how do you go about that? I mean, it obviously depends what, what it's been being given to me as, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm new as a writer. Um, I've only in the past couple years, especially during the pandemic, really started to write. And the reason for that was that I, I didn't want to tell a story that wasn't important for me to tell. Like, I don't want to tell someone else's story as a writer. Like, I think that authenticity when it comes to storytelling is so incredibly important. And I want someone else to tell their story and I'm gonna tell my stories. And so it wasn't until I I kind of focused in on two very specific stories that were very important to me that I was like, okay, now I'm going to you know, tell these stories. But before that, um, I was really just focusing on the acting and the producing. And with those, I mean, I'm very lucky in that both of those things usually coexist and I love being able to do both. It feeds me so much to be able to have a perspective and a a point of view when it comes to both parts of that of the storytelling process Uh, because I think that it's wonderful to be able to take a character and collaborate with the writer and director and and bring it to life but I also think that there's so much else that makes up a story like the set design like what you know even like the color temperature in the room and like what um who the who the other actors are like all of that kind of stuff is so imperative in storytelling and to be a producer and be able to have and like say in that as well it's the best like I am so grateful that I've had the opportunity to do both and I think that like now that I've had both it's really hard to now just do one or the other Mm. um I mean of course I love when I have opportunities to like just act I'm like absolutely of course I will but I'm I still want to I still want to play in that other sandbox as well because I think that it they just feed each other and like for me make the projects just a hundred times better yeah yeah I know like what's one of the things I really love about filmmaking is it's so collaborative mm-hmm. um I think sometimes with writing you can get get stuck like oh writing by yourself yeah and it's like lonely and it's hard and right. it's like nobody understands me and I'm yep. like uh and it's just like it can be like very like all in your head mm-hmm. um but the, I think the moment you have like someone else read your script mm-hmm. you know the moment you have someone else saying oh what if I do this yeah. the moment you have like a director coming in and saying okay I see I see something here yep and they can flesh something out mm-hmm. and it becomes like this collaborative process yeah um I think that makes the storytelling much richer mm-hmm. um obviously you can have like a fantastic script or mm-hmm. a fantastic novel but I think there's something very special about having different voices and different perspectives all coming in and coming together and making something like a like a like a tapestry mm-hmm. where it's like very rich and uh yeah very beautiful a- absolutely yeah. Yeah. and i think that like you know if i'm if i am putting my producer hat on and like if i get if i get sent a script um i mean obviously i'm curious you know what the writer's attachment 
to it, like if they also want to direct it or if they're just going to be the writer or if they have their friend who's going to be in it or they want to hire the specific actor or, you know, whatever. Um, And I really like to talk about the purpose of the film, like what is the market um, and what do you see like not just like the genre but like the feel because of course like comedy is a very broad genre there's a lot of different types of comedy and I think that it's so important to know who you're marketing to from Mm. the beginning when it comes to a film and then make sure then that when you're doing that collaborative process as far as like vetting the script and deciding if you're going to be a part of it and um, doing rewrites if necessary whatever that you're actually incorporating the people who are going to be the target market in that conversation you know I think that it's it's a real oversight when filmmakers will you know be like yeah the script is amazing I'm so excited like I'm going to show my acting class or I'm going to show whatever I'm going to show these people and it's like yeah but none none of those people would actually pay to go watch the film because that's not the kind of film that they enjoy and I think that that's can be um like of course we all want to hire our friends and I do that as well and of course I want to go to my friends first but I also think that it's really really important to be able to like reach out to someone else and you know post on a Facebook group and be like hey I'm looking for people who watch these kind of films because I have a film that's similar uh would anyone be willing to you know sit in on a table read or whatever so you can get people's feedback I also think it's so important to have a gut feeling like know what's important to you in the script before you ask for that collaborative uh feedback from someone so kind of like can you expound on that a little bit yeah because i think that it's so you know something that i think er like um storytellers when they're really starting will ask you know again like lots of people to read their script or a lot of people to give them feedback and they number one won't be specific with who they're asking as far Mm -hmm. as the audience but they'll also then take everyone's advice and then try to change the script based on Mm -hmm. every single person's you know or or change the actors or change you know whatever and I think that um that obviously then leads to a lot of bad storytelling and I think that unfortunately we see this in the studio process all the time and this is where you know like there's so many executives there's so many people who have their hands in these scripts if you ever watch a movie and you're like man I feel like this movie should have been so much better I would implore that you go and see if you can find the script and see the difference between the script and what the film actually is. Because it's usually, you're like, yeah, the script was amazing. Like, what the heck happened? And it is. It's like, I've always loved this idea that there's three movies in a script. You know, like, there's the writer's movie, there's the director's movie, and then there's the editor's movie. And you need all three to be... um, to have the same vision for a film, or at least to to have at least be playing in the same sandbox. Like if you've got like <laughs> one people on a jungle gym, another people on asphalt, and like these guys over here in a rock pit, like this is not going to be the same film. And I think that it's just, um, I mean, that's of course like with you know being specific about who you're who you're collaborating with, but I think that that should also start when it comes to. Uh, the pre-production and and developing that script as well like it's so important to be to know what sandbox you're playing in what kind of movie that you want to make I mean for example I have a um, one of the two scripts that I wrote during the pandemic is a story about my grandmother's brother was a fighter pilot in World War II Mm. and he, he was shot down on his final mission 
over Italy and his body wasn't recovered for 60 years. Wow. And 60 years later, my grandma gets a letter from this Italian historian that says, I think I know where your brother's body is buried. And so I wrote this script that's basically kind of like Saving Private Ryan on the home front. So it's my grandma receiving the letter in the beginning of the film and then flashing back to memories of her and her brother because I mean, my grandma's still alive. Most of the script is completely based on her memory and what actually happened. But I, I have a question about yeah. that. So you're, what was it like kind of interviewing your grandmother for this uh, script? I mean, it was, um, it was difficult because she still had a lot of resistance to mm. not wanting to tell the story. You know, it is based on truth. And so like, it's, we have now footage of like her her brother's body was exhumed and like DNA was checked and then he was he it was correct so he was flown to the U.S. and he was buried and there was like news stories about it and all of this kind of stuff. Um, it was it was difficult because it wasn't necessarily the story that she wanted to tell. Like she wanted she wanted the she wanted to tell the story of now the Italian um, historian finding this information, contacting her, whatever. And that isn't a uh, dramatic story. Like, that's a documentary. Mm -hmm. And we actually, you know, whenever this movie gets made, I do want to also do a documentary about it and and, um, collaborate with... There's uh, the organization, the government organization that does this, where they find bodies and um, connect them, like missing in action, and they connect them with their family members. There's over 50,000 missing in action um, soldiers still. Wow. From, um, like, before the Cold War. So, like, from uh, World War II and, like, Vietnam and all those kinds of things, Korean War. And so I think that there's a real... It's so enlightening for people to be able to see that their family member could actually come home to them, which I think is really mm-hmm. incredibly special. Um, so I, it was, you know, I just did a lot of asking her questions to be able to get details right, and then did a lot of research about what was going on in World War II. And, you know, the story is really about the like anti-Semitism in the US and what was going on on the home front when there's this war raging in Europe, but there's still a lot of conflict going on in the US at the time, and that's not a story that's really been told or explored, Mm. is this idea of all of this, you know, racial tension um, and anti-Semitic, you know, tendencies like right here. And, And I think that unfortunately, America really likes to paint uh, like paint themselves as this like shiny country that like you know is so inclusive to everyone and we don't hate people and obviously we know that that is unfortunately not true Um, but I think that it is important to you know like of course we we have times in history where we know that that's true uh, like obviously Mm -hmm. with um, you know just like imperialism in general and then like the slave trade and you know we've got big periods of history in that but like there was a nazi rally in times square in 1939 Mm -hmm. like which is crazy and there's footage of that and this is when world war ii is you know just getting started and that was happening here Mm. 
And so I think that it's just so important to like tell those stories as well, even if they're a little uncomfortable, because the more that we kind of peel back ignorance and like talk about these more like um, these heavier topics, but still like as we were just saying before, like kind of um, putting them in a framework so that people will want to watch them. Like that's how you package it. How you package it. And I Mm -hmm. think, um, you know, it's so getting back to what I was going to say before, like when I gave the script to some of my friends and um, who are like development executives and they read scripts all day long and they're incredible writers themselves and whatever. And I had some people, like one friend in particular who she's an amazing, I think she's incredible. But when she read it, she was like, oh, but I think that um, this is like your grandma should be like a warrior herself. Like she, this is what she, you know, whatever. And I was like, I hear you, but that's not what this movie is. Like that is a completely different movie. And like, that's not the movie that I'm telling. And so I think that it's so important when you are asking for that advice from someone to be like, Hey, I see your note, but I'm not going to follow it because that's not this story. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to having like a, a vision for your product. Right, so exactly. if you're the writer or director, it's like you're 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 you have the vision for it. Right. And so you want to like take the ideas that fit into your vision mm-hmm. and that make your vision better. Right. But if these ideas are going to turn your vision somewhere else mm-hmm. and it's going to lead you somewhere, it might even be a good place. Like you said, like mm-hmm. that could be a good movie. Totally. But it's not this movie. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's actually the mark of a strong writer or director. Mm-hmm is that when you know what you're looking for and mm-hmm. you know what it's like it's almost like uh you're like you're cooking a meal mm-hmm. and it's like someone might suggest oh you should throw some you know paprika in there and yeah. it's like that might be good yeah. but it depends on what you're cooking right you know totally if, yeah <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're making a cake you're making a cake that's not gonna work right <laughs> yeah so i think and again that goes back to you just having the vision so you yeah. know what you're making mm-hmm. and you take the advice of the people around you and process it, think about it, and then see if it's applicable to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny because I think the, some writers have the opposite thing where mm-hmm. they don't get any advice from people. Right. And that's also a problem. Yes, agreed. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> completely. I think that, because again, because I'm an actor and because I'm a producer, like I am all about the collaboration and that is like number one is understanding like, I am not alone in this and there is a lot of people who make me look good who make stories look good and right. so um but yes I do definitely have those friends <laughs> <laughs> or have collaborated <laughs> with those writers that like are like no this is I, I'm not taking any advice and again hey if that's your vision then that is um that's also okay but it's just important to like know where you're falling on those things. When you first get a script, so mm-hmm. like let's say if you're producing a project, mm-hmm. what are like some of like the first things you look at or think about when you're looking at a script? Um, I try to read it through quickly first and see if it makes sense. Mm, <laughs> Which, you know, e- even though that seems like obvious, that's not always the case. And because I also think personally, that I want to kind of know what happens and know who the players are. And then I can go back in and try and find the holes or 
you know, really pay attention to the detail and then paint the picture mm. in my head as far as like, oh, this is this kind of set or whatever. Almost yeah. like getting a big picture overview first mm-hmm. before you dive into like the nitty gritty. Yeah, that's important for me. And I mean, even if I'm giving notes to someone or if I'm doing development on something, that's 100% what I do first is like get a big picture and then kind of chop it into pieces. Yeah, make it more manageable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's kind of like your personal writing process? So like, I know you writ- wrote a couple scripts mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Did um, Do most of your ideas come from like personal experiences, like your sort of your mm-hmm. grandmother, or are they more like concepts or ideas that you get and you just kind of work into a script like where do your ideas come from yeah I mean so far they've just been personal so I have that script about my grandmother and then my second script is about um so like after I went to Berkeley I moved to Australia for six years and I worked in fly in fly out which is construction and so with that it's like a very different culture and you basically go and live on site and work with the same people for like three two or three weeks at a time and then you return home for a week and that's why it's called fly in fly out because it's very remote locations where you're fil- where where you're filming where i mean it's, <laughs> you could be filming well, yeah it it's almost, honestly, almost like a film set. Yeah. honestly it is interesting that like i feel like construction <laughs> led me like prepared me so much for being a producer mm. because it is so similar where you're like having to like keep things on schedule and keep things on a budget and you're dealing with difficult personalities and you like are you know like all of that kind of thing it really is so similar (laughs) and so um and again like if you're filming if you're filming or if you're working in this fly in fly out culture you're also doing this thing where you're like away from your family Mm -hmm. and you're living with this group of people so you have to deal with living (laughs) with this group of people (laughs) and seeing them every day and it's exhausting. And so um, that the second movie that I wrote that I wrote by myself is is about a, a woman who is leaving her family behind and going and chasing this job because she really wants to do this job in order to fulfill her. And she does this fly out, fly, fly out culture and is completely fish out of water and realizes in the end that like, the connections and the relationships that she has on site are actually more authentic and more what she wants than her family back home. And so she, it ends up causing a lot of conflict with people back home. And, you know, the reason that I really wanted to tell this, and I'm like, this is something where like, I'm 100% gonna play the lead in this, and I definitely wanna produce it and, you know, probably produce it in Australia is, it's such a culture that people don't know about very much, but I still think that there's so many things that are so relatable to what those people go through. And it's, I just really like, with all of my storytelling, talking about just like human experience in ways that people aren't necessarily, that's just not um, commonplace. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, you know, this, this woman who's I mean it's interesting because like even when I was writing that I was visualizing different movies Hmm, like as I was writing and I there was like a couple points where I was thinking of like shopaholics like the the Ella Fisher movie Mm -hmm. or Isla Fisher where she's like like there's like one image that I have in my head where she's like running down cobblestone she's got like high pink shoes on and um 
I that really stuck in my head because the when I was working in construction, I had bright pink construction boots. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, it was, it's something that is 100% going to be in the film. And I really, so it's, it's interesting because I think that this film is kind of going to be a little bit. Like a biography. Yeah. Or, but, yeah. but also like have a bit of a, like a rom-com, even though it's not a mm, romance. Okay. Like it's, it, but I still think it's going to have that feel a little bit because she does fall in love with the, with the culture and the people in this fly in, fly out culture. Um, but those little things like. The fact that I had like pink boots and it really, I mean, it obviously ha- made a statement. Yeah. And, um, and so I really <laughs> want to make sure that like those little character things will show up um, in my film scripts as well. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. So I'm very visual, hmm. basically. Like I'm very visual when it comes to, um, to my writing. And I do, you know, have a lot of note cards. Like I'll write out. You know, no. Arrange them. I'll arrange them. Um, I definitely would do, you know, comps where I would watch, like, I watched um, Devil Wears Prada for this one. Um, There's a Charlie Theron movie where she's in a mine, and I watched that one. Um, I watched Wild. Um, There was like four movies that I watched and then did beat sheets on them while I watched them, and then also would look at their scripts and kind of, again, look at like, what the script was as far as the beats versus what showed up in the actual film. And then, you know, did the, did an outline of my own film, kind of put it on note cards uh, as well as like characters and note cards. And I kind of have them color coordinated as far as, you know, if this is a story point, if this is a character, if this is mm-hmm. just something random that I want to <laughs> fit in at some point, you know? Um, so now with my rewriting process, because that's some, like I'm definitely rewriting the script right now, it's really now about, uh, and, and I have to say, like, I haven't touched the script in six months. And so now that's I'm actually a good thing. It is. Yeah, I think you so get, too. You need some time to step away from it and then like let your brain repercolate for sure. And then come at it from a new perspective. I yeah, think that's really good. Yeah, definitely. And I think that like, even, even like talking to people about it, like even like this, I am every single time I talk about it, I'm like honing in Mm -hmm. on something specific that I'm like okay I keep talking about this one specific thing so therefore that is definitely going to be in the script you know and the things that I'm forgetting (laughs) those are just going to go away because they don't matter Mm. um or like clearly they don't you know like I I listened to uh something about um Taika Waititi and he Mm -hmm. was talking about you know like when he writes a script he'll write a script and do a couple drafts of it or whatever but then he'll put it in a drawer for like at least a year. Mm. And then when he wants to work on that project again, he will outline or sometimes even rewrite the script from memory. And so then the only yeah. thing that will stick will be the things that he that made an that impression on him. Made an yeah. impression on him. Yeah. Which, you know, I think he's brilliant. He is. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that, put it in my pocket. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you did mention beats. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to talk a little bit about beats. So like yeah. when you're looking at a script and you're looking at the beats, like what are those beats that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I I do follow, well, kind of. I, I do kind of follow like the Save the Cat. Okay, that's um, a great book. I love that yeah, book. Yeah, the Save the Cat beats. And I uh, just have like made a spreadsheet that, that has the same beats. And it's interesting because there's another script that I'm rewriting with a friend of mine that we developed together a couple years ago and then now we've decided that we want to like open it back up and we're kind of retooling it and 
that's one where we watched um, where Thelma and Louise is a is a really big comp for us. And it's interesting because the other day we watched that and did a beat sheet on that. And so again, like when I'm writing something, I will watch something and do a beat sheet. And I think that then it's so it's it's really fun, actually, because you you're like, you know, going through this beat sheet and it's like, okay. The final image and the beginning image should like mirror each other or have some mm-hmm. kind of like connection to each other. And then like, you know, five pages in, you're going to state the theme, which is going to play throughout the movie. And then like, this is when the catalyst happens and like the the people start to go on the adventure or whatever. And honestly, if you are following this beat sheet and watching a movie, you will begin to see like, I'm going to pause this. It's literally at 12 minutes and it's like on page 12. Like it's so... <laughs> interesting to be able to do this now and and it's fascinating because even so Thelma and Louise was made before Save the Cat so that Mm. is a movie that predates the Save the Cat structure and yet it also follows it completely and so like Blake Snyder who wrote Save the Cat clearly is obviously you know he's a screenwriter so clearly he was using old films like and he didn't invent it himself right exactly and i think that 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 there's really a value in that like i know that there are some people who poo poo on that kind of structure but i really do think that you kind of need to know the rules before you break them and being able to know like okay i need to make sure that i'm really raising the stakes here or whatever does make a huge difference and and just makes it a more cohesive story in the end. Yeah. And I would say, especially when you're starting out, especially like a first draft for a Mm -hmm. script, and especially if you're, you know, like if you don't have a ton of experience, like whenever, or if you even, or if you hit a wall Mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't know what to do with this part. Yep. It's a great time to look back at your beats and see, okay, oh, maybe I'm missing this. Yeah. You know, I'm missing the, the, um, you know, like, like the, the, the moment of change, Mm -hmm. you know, Right. And my, my, my character doesn't have an arc. There's right. no change here. Okay, right. well, that's what you're missing. Yeah. Uh, and, and things like that, which I think it makes it a lot easier, I think, also to to recognize and find the problems mm-hmm. and there's like when it's not working and finding right. the problems when you have like a structure that you can look back and compare notes and say okay this is this mm-hmm. ah no I yeah. see where it is yeah yeah and it simplifies it because I feel like a lot of times writing is so mysterious mm-hmm. you know it's like you go in and you stick characters and mm-hmm. there's plot and there's things happening and, yeah. and I don't know what's so confusing I yeah. don't know but like <laughs> I think to really simplify it yeah and have a plan uh, makes it so much easier to write. Yeah, it, I listened to a um, to a talk with Mark Duplass the other day, and he was talking about how for him, at least when he started out, like he was at the end of all of this advice that I'm about to spiel from him, he said he was like, because someone was like, oh my god, do you still do that now? And he was like, not necessarily. Like now, I kind of you know have been able to skip over some of these steps now when he writes. But he was talking about how he will, again, like choose his comps, like choose his movies or his shows that he's kind of mirroring this one after. And he says he watches them like over and over and over again, like at least 12 to 15 times. And he will, you know, mark scenes that are similar to scenes that he wants to write so he can go back and look at them. And then the other thing that he does, which I was like, this is so brilliant and I've never thought about this before, is that he will record himself reading the entire script. Interesting. So, I mean, Hmm. dialogue, the stage direction, like everything, and then will walk around for, and it usually takes him like a couple days, will rock around his neighborhood listening to the script. 
And that really helps him know if like the dialogue sounds, you know, organic, whether there's just extra stuff in there that doesn't need to be there, if the story doesn't make sense. Like, and I think that that makes so much sense. Like I've always heard as a writer that it's important to like have, you know, your actor friends, like read it out loud. Mm -hmm. But to do that so early in the process, like he's basically like, after you do your vomit draft, do that. And then see what comes of it and I was like I am taking that putting that in my pocket I'm definitely going to use that I think it's so smart that's really good yeah Yeah. it's cool to like get advice from other writers and I think there's it's interesting too because I think everybody has like a different approach Mm -hmm. there's like certain things that are kind of universal yeah but then there's like little things that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. expect that it's like oh well I would have never thought to do that right you know um and sometimes and you never know like what's going to unlock your particular writing talents like what gets you kind of in your zone Mm -hmm. um you know like I know for me sometimes it's like where I'm writing Mm -hmm. you know like finding like a place because like if you're like uncomfortable or if you're too hot or if you're hungry or like there's all these different fake factors and you know it's like you want to like maximize your output Mm -hmm. so you maximize like the um kind of like the influence that's coming in Mm -hmm. on you and like figure out okay what what works for me yeah and I think it's good to experiment because if you're always doing the same thing, you might not realize, oh, well, I actually write better when I'm outside. Right. Or maybe, you know, like write better at a certain time of the day mm-hmm. even. Um, so I think it's good, especially in the early stages, like to experiment and see, try out different things. Yeah. And, and see what works for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that for me during when I was writing this Austral- Australia script, I kept writing outside and I have mm-hmm. like a this like weird hanging basket chair that I was like writing in it was very uncomfortable and I've got like my dog who's like trying to like get in my computer and it was just a mess and so um I I just bought a desk that I'm putting outside so that I can still be outside but actually have a space and I think that it's I mean it's already making a huge difference because like I know that I want to be able to like just immerse myself in nature and also I think that it's you know, I was talking to a writer friend the other day who was saying that, cause, and he actually has a writing job, like a nine to five writing job for a production company. Like he develops scripts for a production company. So he's a writer for hire. But then of course he also has his own projects that he's working on. And I was like, how are you separating your, like number one, how are you not getting burnt out? Mm. Um, because it, like being creative and writing for like that, many hours and like how are you separating your writer for hire and then like your creative time and he was saying that he has two like he has a small apartment but he has two very separate spaces he has two different computers that he uses and he um will only drink kombucha when he's doing his creative like personal writing time and it's like (laughs) a specific time every day like he writes from 9 p.m to 10 p.m every night and he has his kombucha and he like writes on this one computer in this specific chair and so now it's just like become a Pavlovian thing where he's like well it's nine o'clock I guess it's time to like write my own creative stuff which is just so incredibly smart and honestly I think that you know when we hear these brilliant actors or directors or writers and they talk about you know like how you just have to continue working you have to continue working and whatever I think that the caveat in that is that like we have to also work smart like we have to we can't just just put in the hours of 
like nonsense. I mean, a lot of the stuff is nonsense, <laughs> but I still think that it's so important to be like, okay, I am, you know, working on these specific projects and really just like putting, um, just the whole, like, you know, working smarter and not harder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, identifying your strengths, figuring out what works for you as again, as far as like, where do I write? When do I write? Like all of those kinds of things. And then just sticking to it. Like that's all we can really do. Yeah. I think the consistency, I think, is mm-hmm. really key. Yeah. Because I've heard, um, you know, it's like the thing, it's like you have to do certain things to make a pattern, to make it a habit. Right. You know, if you call yourself a writer, you have to write. Yeah. You know, like, I, it's, it's funny, like people, some people mm-hmm. say like, oh yeah, I'm a writer, but they're, they're not actually writing. They're not right. actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. It matters what you're doing, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're not doing it, it you might as well forget it like yeah. it, you're never going to get better you're never mm-hmm. going to improve right you just have to like grind it out mm-hmm. and i think finding your your niche your mm-hmm. niche mm-hmm. finding out what works for you yeah is imperative for yep. that 100 percent. yeah so like once you have like a lock script where do you go from there like you're, you're hiring like your director you're finding mm-hmm. your actors you're finding your crew yeah i mean i think that like of course it's so different when it comes to um, what kind of film it is and what the budget is and all of that kind of stuff. I think that, like, let's just pretend that we already have the money on board. Um, because that's always the case, that's right? Always, we always, yes, we oh, always yeah. have plenty of money. It's 100%. just sitting there. There's <laughs> trees. That you just If you water them well enough, you just pick that money. Um, so, uh, you know, of course there, it's, again, about, like, finding your team. But I think that... Um, like again what i said about the importance of like knowing your market when you are working on developing the script it's so important to then carry that through when it comes to the casting and when it comes to the visualization of the of the storytelling and all of that kind of stuff like i have a really brilliant um filmmaker friend who specifically makes faith-based films and so when she is casting she and she makes teen girl movies mm. and so when she is casting she isn't just looking for a disney channel star she's looking for a disney channel star who is has a huge christian following and there is tons of them out there and so like it's so that's just like the tiniest difference but it makes the biggest difference in the world because all of her movies have been very profitable and because of that she's continuing to be given more and more money like she certainly has some money trees that are just like growing out and Mm. it's wonderful and but i think that like just little smart things like that are really key and and also again like she's it's a teen girl movie but she's not gonna um she's gonna make sure that her movie looks like mean girls like it, it has to still have that specific aesthetic and i think that you know going back to the writing process if you as a writer know that you've got that comp of like mean girls that I'm kind of making it like mean girls like make sure that that shows up in the in the stage directions like that shows up in the description of the characters it shows up in you know when you're describing the the um the setting of the different locations or whatever because it also means that like the right director is gonna attach themselves to the script because the right director is gonna be like, yes, I freaking love Mean Girls. Like, absolutely, I wanna make this movie. We sometimes think of filmmaking as like, again, like specific genres, but there's so much more nuance and it's so key about 
you know, again, like, are we going to be more authentic or are we going to be um, like a little inauthentic and just kind of do some like sci-fi twist? It's kind of like looking at this the show Boys, like the Boys is like such a specific superhero show mm-hmm. and no one would it's kind of like superhero mixed with like Kill Bill or something because there's like a lot of like. It's it can be kind of a gross show to watch, and I think that someone who wants to make um, Captain Marvel would not necessarily be the right director for that show. And so I think that it's so important for that to like show up in the script process, and then that way, and and then that way, you know, like the actors who attach themselves will know what they're playing from the beginning, especially because in independent film. Oftentimes, actors will not audition. If you're looking for, or like if you're looking for big name actors, right. um, you know, like the the last film that I had that came out here a while, like that film has Anna Camp, Joe LaTrulio, and Stephen Strait in it, and they really loved the script and very much, you know, wanted to be a part of the project, and that's why we got them, and they were incredible. But not none of them auditioned because that wasn't something that we were advised that we could ask of them. And so if the script did not like demonstrate what that movie was going to be, we could have attached actors that that then didn't like the tone of the film. And so, again, it's just so important for that to like show up from the beginning in the storytelling and that just shows how important writers are like to like they really do drive the ship from the beginning and of course it's a collaboration <laughs> and of course the directors and whatever but you know we're gonna give huge pats in the back to writers right now because I really think and I also think that writers they do get credit but I don't think that they're given enough credit in a lot of ways yeah yeah I think also times there's it's like everything is built on the script mm-hmm. so you know I think you can have other things that go wrong you can have an actor that's just like okay right they're okay. <clears throat> right. You can have, like, some directing that's okay. Right. You know, the production design, the camera work, it's okay. Yeah. But the script is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's flawless. Right. It carries the story. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the end of the day, that's what we're relating to is yep. the story. Yeah. So if the characters are believable, then everything else is kind of like gravy. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you want it to package it well and to have it to look good. Right. Um, and to be aesthetically pleasing and all this. But at the end of the day... Fix it in post. Fix it in post, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I was going to say, you know, like, we're, we're drawing, you know, stick figures on caves. Like, that's mm-hmm. a story, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, it didn't have, it didn't even have, like, great special effects. It doesn't right. even have, like, all the, the, the poshness. Mm-hmm. It just really just needs to have a good story. Yeah. And if we relate to it, if it's personal, mm-hmm. that makes it impactful. Mm-hmm. That makes it meaningful to us. Yep. And I think as storytellers, I think that's really is our job. Yeah. Is to show truth mm-hmm. and to show how we feel about things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we covered quite a yeah. bit here. Yeah. I feel feel very good. I think it was a very good, very good outing here. Pumped. Yes, exactly. Ready to go make a movie? <laughs> yes. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Let's go do it right yeah. now. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm ready. I'm down. <laughs> well, Deb, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you're just... You have such a great personality, and you're um, just a joy to work with. Thank and you. Yeah, just like... Ditto. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have to work on something again I know. I can't soon. wait till I can yeah. hire you again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
Thank you guys for watching this episode. Please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And we will see you in the next one. Take care.